0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Provincial State of Mind with myself, Tom Savage, Owen Harrison, and Jeff Neville. This is a podcast. Tom, Tom,
1: Tom, 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 stop. We talked about this. Stop. Cut it out. Cut it out.
2: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Provincial State of Mind. Myself, Owen Harrison, Jeff Neville and Tom Savage. This is a podcast focused on all four Irish provincial sides in both the URC and European competitions. We discuss what happened the previous weekend, what we can expect from each province in their upcoming games, as well as any major off-field news. So Tom, apart from many Munster coaches asking you about Dracula impressions, anything much going on with you this week?
0: I'm feeling censored today, right now. Other than that, I'm feeling fine.
2: I think we'll just leave that there <laughs> <laughs> for, for myself. I'm not going to politicize the podcast, but um, I found a, a box of Scott's clan left over from Christmas, which I feel uh, ambushed me late last night. Um, so Scott's, Jeff, Scots are at it again? <laughs> Scots, it was Burns night, it was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, how was your week? A grand, yeah. I was,
1: I was actually trying uh, off the back of this podcast, trying to do my own Dracula impression, just to see if I could, and I ended up sounding something like a French Sylvester Stallone. Um, <laughs> I just couldn't. <laughs> I was there. I was like, I'll try it now before we move on. Fuck it, why not? I was just like, don't make me laugh now. But I was like, hello. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Can't
2: that do sounds, that. Sounds creepy.
0: There's something kind of vaguely romantic about that. Like, something yeah, like, about, yes. that's, that's the French side, and the non romantic <laughs>
1: side would be the Sylvester Stallone, which yeah, I can't do it, so I just moved on. But that's my week now.
2: Well, uh, I suppose we, if we look at the provincial state of mind prediction league this week, I, um, I suppose there was no real change. All three of us went with four Irish wins, so we ended up with uh, three out of four all this week. And it didn't change much in the overall uh, league itself, where myself and Jeff are leading with 12 out of 17. And Tom is one behind on 11 out of 17. Um, This week, to shake up the running order, we're going to look at the provinces in order of the upcoming matches in the URC. Um, And before we start with Ulster, a word of warning for the listeners, as I will be using the air horn to try and keep the podcast on track from a timing perspective and for this week's episode I will also use the air horn for any use of the term us or we when referring to Munster Jeff to try and remove any unconscious bias that may impact any of the three of us so uh, we'll start as I said with Ulster uh, they qualified for the Champions Cup knockout where they face Toulouse in the round of 16 uh, they're third in the URC table at the moment sitting seven points behind Edinburgh they're Second in the Irish Shield, three points behind Leinster, but having played a game more. Off-field news this week, I suppose, is centered mainly around Bradley Roberts, who is due to join the Dragons at the end of the season. And I suppose given he was capped by Wales during the Autumn Internationals, the move doesn't come as a surprise. And Dan McFarland has already spoken about going and looking at Irish qualified options to bolster the hooking department in Ulster. From a game point of view, I think Ulster beat Claremont 34-31 on Saturday. Um, Ulster started strongly, used their line-out to great effect. Um, Ulster took a fairly convincing lead, but three tries in five minutes from Claremont close to the end made it a much closer game than it needed to be from an Ulster perspective. Um, there were some very strong uh, performances on the Ulster side, I thought the likes of Mike Lowry, um, James Hume and I thought Rob Herring had some really good games Jeff, or sorry Tom what did you make of the game?
0: Uh, I thought Ulster were very good uh, again but they, they have been very good consistently this season um, again I, I think you look at the guys who they have available um, some really quality younger players breaking in you know Dwayne Vermeulen I mean about as established quality as you can get I just think they were very impressive now again the air went out of the tires a small bit uh, as the game went into the last maybe 15 minutes, but they did well to ride it out. It could have gone, it could have gone the other way, but uh, I, I, I think that they just it would have been a shame, really, given how well they played. And I think you know, again, you look at them drawing Toulouse in the aftermath of this. It's like winning it, like winning a raffle, and the first prize is a punch in the face. Like you look at Toulouse, like they're just like they will be better by the time those those round of 16 games come around, and it's like. It's tough for Ulster, but I, 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 I think like they played Toulouse last year and I think lost both games. Um, you look at the, the the quality Ulster have done, some of the guys they have to come back in. I don't think there's they, they have a whole lot to be too afraid of of Toulouse. I mean, I know Toulouse are, are very good, but I, 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 look, I look at Ulster and I look at how well they played here, missing some key guys. Uh, and I think that, again, they're building very, very well and there's a lot of quality that they have already embedded in there and guys to come back Uh, to. I'm very, very excited for what Ulster can do this season.
2: And uh, as sort of Tom talked about there, I think Jeff, you know, while Ulster's forwards in particular have sort of helped set the platform for their good run this season, it's been Ulster's backline that have caught the eye given how well Ireland performed in the autumn. How are, do you expect any of the Ulster guys to see much game time during the six nations or maybe even the summer tour?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question, and uh, just to touch on Tom's point there about the last fifteen minutes of the game, the air did go out the tires. But the sign of a good team is one that closes it out, and um, I think Ulster showed where they are now. I think an Ulster team of old probably would have maybe coughed up a couple of more points, maybe lost that game. But you know, we talked about it before: closing out games by hook, by crook, just get the W, and they did. But uh, looking at the backs, yeah, it's it's an interesting question: will they get game time? But I think there's two questions again involved in that and I'm conscious of the, the air horn coming at me again. I was the only one to get it last week. Conspiracy, but we we'll move on. Um, they, um, will they get game time? You see, this is a big question. Now at the moment, I think when we're talking about Ulster's backs, you're looking at Balakoon, you're looking at Hume and you're looking at Lowry. They're the only three involved in the Irish setup, um, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, you look at Balakoon, he's, he's a lot of work to get in ahead of the likes of Conway, Earls, and even I'm going to go as far as to say Mac Hansen. Um, I think Mack Hansen's going to fill that that uh that wing role that Lowe has left behind him. Um, he's got the the fitness for it, the ability for it. He, it's the way he plays with Connacht as well. And I'm not saying the other boys don't like, but I just think Mack Hansen's going to be that guy filling that role. I might be mistaken. Um, I think Lowry has a fight in his hands as well to take the jersey off Hugo Keenan, who has done nothing wrong in a blue or a green jersey since I can remember. I actually don't ever remember him making a mistake, to be honest. He is just insanely consistent. And same with Hume. Um, you know, you have Aki, Henshaw and Ringrose in there as well. And I know Hume can play 12 as well as 13. I prefer him at 13 myself, a bit more space in the ball and that footwork. But, I mean, you you, you look at what they can all do, but so can the guys that are, I suppose, if you'd say it, they're ahead of them, do you know, they can all do it too. They've also done nothing wrong on the biggest stage in the world. So it's not a case of are they good enough to get there? It's are they surpassing the guys that are there already? Um, You know, I think it's going to be So interesting to watch And I, I said it there during the week And I meant it Like, it's not that I don't like Ringrose or Aki or Henshaw But if I saw James Hume start against Wales I have absolutely no issue with it Um, I think he's phenomenal And Lowry, the weekend His try um, against Claremont there Was phenomenal And he was inside Para's shoulder As that passes in the air He just, just arcs outside him By the time Para looks up Lowry's on his outside shoulder He has the pace to beat him Raka's there in the wing doesn't know what to do should he cut in stay out he stays out Para hasn't the pace because he's in the outside cover defense can't get around it's a brilliant like yeah he didn't just get the ball and score himself but it is a brilliant piece of individualism because it's a three on three there like there's nothing really on but he gets outside that shoulder and scores unbelievable pace we talked about his transition so will we see them in green I genuinely hope so and I hope it's not just against Italy as well I hope we see them like in a game maybe against Scotland or against Wales as well um, I think England and France Would probably be all You know, the big guns going Been there, done that kind of guys But I, I really do hope we see them in, uh, in the
2: Irish jersey Yeah, and I, I think with that It could be a case of injury um, oh, yeah. Letting someone in rather than necessarily someone busting their way in and forcing their way into the team because the guys that are there have played so well and have proven themselves but i think it may take a uh, injury or something like that for someone to get in there and that's, one that's, of the that's teams- that is
1: that is the other side of the coin like i mean it's five very tough games in a very short period of time like and all you need is one bad tackle you know or one bad rook entry or something like that that's all it takes
2: like you know Exactly. And I think maybe one of the other things that Andy Farrell might look at, particularly with Lowry, is that Keenan has played pretty much every game for the last, whatever it is, 18 months or so. Um, And, you know, I think he may want to see at some point some someone else who can fill into that spot. So there might be hope for Lowry overall within that. Um, I suppose next up then for Ulster is Scarlets at home on Friday night. Scarlets are ninth in the URC, three wins and three losses. But in the last two weeks um, in the Champions Cup, Scarlets have conceded 52 against Bristol and 45 against Bordeaux. And they also conceded, I think it was 50 against Leinster and 43 against Munster. Um, I suppose Dwayne Peel is the Scarlets head coach and he obviously has strong um, Ulster connections after coaching there. And from, I believe, uh, Cooney and McCluskey um won't be back from injury for this. Tom, how do you reckon Ulster will get on this week without their internationals as well?
0: Yeah, it'll be tough because the guys who they're going to be missing have played a large part in kind of building up the kind of the Ulster that, we, that we've seen this season. Um, so I, I think it'll be difficult for them to come back in. But again, Scarlets are not in a good place at the moment. And I think you have to look at where Scarlets are and, and, and kind of appreciate that as as tough as Ulster are going to have it with some of their top guys missing i think the same story will be true for scarlets so i can't look beyond a, a, a big ulster win at home um I, I think that they have enough quality left over and some good quality young fellas to come in as well i mean i'm looking forward to seeing if ben Moxham can get Uh, more of a run in this kind of upcoming little little mini block of games during the Six Nations. I think he's a fabulous player. That's the type of guy who I think can have a massive impact for for Ulster. Great size, really good athlete. but yeah, I I think that this is an opportunity for Nathan or from is it Neil or Nathan Doke? This is where I turn into a real old man now, where I'm kind of calling a young fella by his dad's name. But like I I look at that and I like it's, I think that that young Doak fella, that's the fella who can go and have a, a big little mini block here and continue to establish himself even more than what he already
2: has. So when when you're when you're talking about. Uh... Neil Doak as, as the old man and seeing him play in Ravenhill before the TV cameras were allowed up there sort of thing, isn't it? So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so moving uh. on that Jeff, what do you reckon for this week for Ulster?
1: I think it's going to be an Ulster win. Um. I think I don't think it's going to be a big win because I know they're missing an awful lot of backs, obviously, Um. but they're also missing guys like Nick Timoney and Kieran Treadwell who've kind of, I suppose, just been... The lubricant and the cogs of the machine that is their forward pack. and um, you know, Treadwell probably some people were probably surprised when he was selected for the Irish squad. Um, but he's such an explosive player, like, and he does an awful lot of work. Like we talk about um McCluskey doing an awful lot for Ulster to it that allows other people to do the work as, or to, to do their own thing. And Treadwell's exactly one of those kind of players. And Nick Timoney is let's like there's no other word, like he's exceptional um for Ulster and he gives them such a big platform and he's such a good Person on the ground as well, like so. I think they they might struggle a little cohesive wise with that, um, missing those kind of guys. I still do think it's going to be a home win, and the biggest reason behind that is is because they're just they're just killing out games, like and they're coming out on top, and like winning's a habit. They're in that habit now, and I don't see that habit breaking. To be honest,
2: yeah, and I'm not going to venture too far beyond you t- you guys. I'm going to stick with Ulster on that. I think. I don't think it'll be as comfortable. I think the Scarlets, as Thomas said, are in a, a bad state at the moment. Um, I think they're still in transition under Peel and trying to find their, their identity and particularly on the defensive side of things. I think the only thing that I see as maybe a, a little bit of a worry for Ulster is their line out with Herring gone, with the, um, that there. They use it an awful lot to set their attacking platform. And to get it there, and if they don't, and they, they are particularly badly hit at hooker at the moment, I think, in terms of injuries. So on, unless they can, if if they can get that right, I think it should be should be relatively comfortable. But I would have a worry that maybe it won't be the line out and the mall won't be as strong as it has been previously this season. And because of that, they, they may misfire. But I think at home um, against the Scarlets, they should really have enough to, to get them over the line. So we're going for three three uh, for Ulster on that one. So then next up is Connacht. So Connacht qualified for the round of 16 and now face Leinster in the knockout stages. They're sitting eighth in the URC um, and fourth in the Irish Shield. They're nine points behind Leinster having played one more game. Off-field news, there is um, some good news coming for Connacht at the moment. Dennis Buckley is back in contention for the game this weekend after I think nearly nine months out for injury um and also Connacht have indicated that they intend to play the first leg of their round of 16 Champions Cup game against Leinster in the sports ground rather than move it to a bigger ground so there's a big one there for I think for the fans um in terms of their game at the weekend Connacht lost 37-31 away to Stade Francais Stad were down to 14 men for over half a game due to the Stad hooker Latu receiving two yellow cards, the second of which was for swearing at Wayne Barnes. Um, Connacht went into the game with two very inexperienced props with Duggan playing the full 80 and McGrath playing 75 minutes. Um, And I think a lot of the stuff that we talked about previously with Connacht in terms of their vulnerabilities around the scrum and the mall came through in this game um, as well. Tom, what did you make of the game for Connacht at the weekend?
0: I was just thinking, like it'd be like it, it's like Latu getting that yellow card. It's like ye yellow carding me, and every time I say fuck accidentally on this podcast, you did tell so, a Provin- you did tell a provincial coach to you know fuck off as well. So there's that side of it too. <laughs> uh, look, I think Connex will just be very very disappointed. Like obviously because they lost, but like the manner of the loss. I mean, look, I think. The, the way Connick play, the expansivity with which they play, is it comes with a cost. I think in that it seems to be quite energy intensive for them. Yes, they were missing a ton of guys that played a part, especially as the power game went up later in the later in the game. Certainly, but I look at I look at Connacht being what eleven points up and against fourteen men, not a chance. They should have been losing that game, not a chance. And that's just one of those things. I predicted Connick to win last week, and I was thinking. After they were on the way up, I was thinking, "Well, look, you know, this is kind of more or less what I expected." Then just the ash just started falling out of them, and it's like, like what'll be most disappointing for them, I think, is that they got some nice scores. Like they they kicked a, little, a good bit less actually than what they than what they would normally. Um, it looked like they had uh, Stade Français pretty much put back in their box to an extent, but they allowed them to keep coming back in. Error started creeping into the game. Uh, and stat and stat, France just kept coming. And uh, again, the power played a massive part. But I find it very difficult to to kind of talk away losing to a, to a team like you. You can carry losing a player for the entire game in the back three. I think like that's the thing you can kind of you can get over fairly handy to play against a team who are down a forward for most of the game and everything that comes with that, like their replacements are limited and everything else and all everything that comes with that. Just it's just very disappointing for them. I just think that like. There's no way they should have been losing that game, and again, for them to be so confident coming in, like to throw away everything that happened against Leicester to start really well, to, to build up such a good lead, uh, you would just hope that that's not something that that sticks in the mind. Because you know we, we've all been there now. Here, like, well, look, lost badly now last weekend. We're going to go into next weekend. We're going to we're going to roll in. We're going to change it. We're going to do it. But then to have the exact same thing happen again, you would hope that doesn't stick in their heads a little bit too much. Because this is a, an opportunity you now in the next couple of games for them to roll on, build up some momentum. But just watching that game, you could just see the air slowly going out of connect. And like with, I, th- I think it was co- coming up into the last ten minutes, you were thinking they're actually going to lose this. Like you just you could see it out there, and that's something for them to, to rectify because they seem to be too good to be limping into the last sixteen with, with three losses out of four. You know, and like ultimately, that's like the the hard reality of it is that as nice as they played. So that's uh, I think it's at this stage it it must be a concern for them, you know, because they've got great players, but they shouldn't be losing two games like that.
2: Yeah, and I, I think look, that's something we'll we'll come to now in a second. But I mean, like I think as you said there, like what we've seen from Connacht is they they are very good when they are on the ball. They they, they run some lovely shapes. They scored some lovely tries, and I think like there's been some big performances come into it. Um, you know, I thought again Connor Oliver looks looked very good. I thought Jack Carty played well um and i you know i don't think there was any sort of um you know question marks over his game management etc this week at all there, was, there wasn't anything there um but you know i think there are question marks around that and as as we said over the last two weeks they've seen big leads slip in the last quarter of their championship cup games jeff is this something they need to be worried about yeah put it to, to be perfectly honest yeah it is and um like we
1: had our own game on Sunday so I ended up watching the Connacht game on Monday but I remember on Sunday after our game checked my phone to look at the score and it was 31 20 to Connacht and I thought to myself okay and then by the time we got up into the clubhouse and uh, just dropped off the gear and looked at the TV and Connacht were losing and I was like they break your heart and I was there just in time to watch that last penalty for Stade Francais but um woke up Tuesday then or woke up Monday then watched the game whatever grand and one evening my wife turned to me and she said what are you doing on the laptop there and I said oh I just um have a hunch about something so I just want to look it up so what I did was I went away and I looked at Connacht's last 20 minutes in each of their games so far and this is one of those things that I can't explain to people why suddenly I decided to look this up but I just did and um what happened was I kind of saw a bit of a pattern so I mean we look at the games that Connacht have won so far this season between the URC and between um Champions Cup right so we looked at the games they've won, we started the start. They won- to beat the Bulls, and sorry, I should say what I was looking at was the last quarter of the games, so the final 20 minutes, and kind of how it would impact their game as a whole. So their first win, they beat the Bulls, they won that final quarter 12-0. Second game, they beat Ulster, they won that final quarter 19-5. The next game they won, it was against the Ospreys, they won that final quarter 14-0. The next one against Al-Francais, they won that final quarter 17-0. And the, the last game they won was against Munster, and this is the exception to the rule, I suppose, and it was a draw, it was nil all. But uh, probably most importantly is that they kept Munster scoreless in the end of that. Now, we look at the games they lost um, so far this season. They lost to Cardiff, lost the final quarter, 12-5. They lost to the Dragons, lost to 13-5. Uh, Munster, again, the exception to the rule, that was 7 all. But the next game they lost then um, was against Leinster. We look at the next game against Leicester, they lost that 10-3. We look at the next game against Leicester, lost that 12 nil, Stade Francais, 17-7. So, you know, that final quarter of the game, that's why they're kind of living and dying, you know. And uh, we, we talked there before about them playing in a way that got them into a position to win. But if the energy isn't there to continue that game plan going, or if, and I'm just saying, if, you know, they don't have, Subs to bring off the bench to fill in important roles Like we saw the props this week like or Last weekend I think they played 80, 80 minutes And 70, 70 plus anyway Five, yeah, 75 so I mean like That's a big task for a prop to ask To go to a very dark fucking place Over and over again for 80 minutes And still keep up the motor skills to be You know in receiving roles rucking roles, tip on roles, mall roles That's an awful lot of work For one person to get through Like so you know the the final quarter for me, I think, is key for for Connacht. And once they start rectifying that, and I don't know if they need to change the the lineup. Like obviously, Andy Friend knows much better than I do, and he knows more than I do. But be it if they have to change the lineup, so they're bringing more power off the bench in the last twenty, um, whatever it has to be. I don't know, but I mean that final quarter, like there there is a there is a pattern there, you know. And if it was just once or one or two, you'd say, well. You know, it just happened, but every game they've lost, bar one, they, they've lost the final quarter. So that last 20 minutes is going to be key. And last thing I'll say is, you know, you look at teams who play against New Zealand, it's usually in the last quarter that New Zealand come into their own and kind of just run riot. But I mean, it shows how important it is if you want to win a game, that final 20 is key.
2: Yeah, now I'm, I'm a prop and I have no idea about conditioning, so I can't really talk to that part. But I, I do think for, for Connacht particularly, I, I think maybe they have quite a lot of young, inexperienced players coming through. And I think maybe that fits into it. But I also think that maybe some of the signings haven't quite worked out as they would have wanted it this season. This season, I think you've got Fafita in the second role and who again, apologies as I butcher that name, um, you know who they have brought in as those power players to finish off the games. And they haven't really seen the value out of them yet this season. And I think if they can get more on that, that might help with it. But I think it is something that they they need to look at going forward. Next up for Connacht is Glasgow at home on Saturday afternoon. Glasgow are fourth in the URC table. And in the Champions Cup, they managed to beat Exeter at home and put in some good displays against La Rochelle over the competition. Um, Tom, go to you first on this. How do you think Connacht will get on?
0: Uh, That game has the feeling of a banana skin for Connacht. Um, Energy will be low this week. Well, maybe it will or maybe it won't. I'm not in the camp. I can't say for certain. But I look at the guys they're going to be missing. Jack Carty is very important to what they do in Connacht. Bundy won't be there. Uh, I think Ian Prendergast won't be available for this game either, as far as I'm aware. Um, and you look at the guys who they have there. He, Glasgow will be missing guys too for Scotland. This could be a very high-scoring game. It has the feeling of being one of those games. I remember talking to a fellow before. He was talking about recruitment in rugby. He said, power is expensive. Um, And for Connacht, as you were saying there, Owen, that seems to be the issue for him. Now they have some guys who are left over who, who aren't going to, who won't be in Ireland camp. It's important for those guys to stand up and perform in this game. Now in particular, um, I, I think that like that you look at Glasgow Connacht games in the sports ground, typically are all are usually very, very good. Is this in the sports ground
2: or is it in Scottsdale? Uh, I think it's in the sports ground.
0: Is it? Yeah. No, like either way, these games are typically very good. Um, I just have the feeling this one could just edge towards Glasgow. Um, I just look at where Connacht are and and the guys they're missing in particular. I think to be missing Jack Carty for Connacht, that's a like yeah, probably an even bigger loss for like we'll say Leinster in a big knockout game for Europe being without Johnny Sexton. I think for Connacht to be without Jack Carty, he's that vital to what they do. They still have quality players there, but I just wonder. Where they're at this week, and maybe they could maybe a kind of a danger of overcompensating coming in this weekend, which is just complete and utter cycle battle. But I'm just looking at this game and thinking, that's a tough one for Connacht now after the couple of weeks they've had and the guys they're missing. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with a narrow Glasgow win in this one and and watch Connacht now after I've tipped him every single time. Every single time I've tipped Connacht to win. And uh, this will be the time that I'll I'll be wrong to say they'll to say that they'll lose, uh, but I think that um I just look at where where Connacht and Glasgow are at. I think Glasgow might just have enough to nip this one, uh, right at the end. But I think it'll be high scoring and could well be a very good game.
2: I'm actually going to go with Glasgow as well, and my reasoning behind that is. I think who Connacht are missing, it's the key. It'll be key players for them, and I think that probably two of the, the the biggest ones there will be the likes of Finley Bialum, who who's at tight head and Jack Carthy at ten. And I I think um the step down from those in terms of quality that Connacht have is is fairly considerable. Um, and that's no slight on on the players that are there, but like they're they're Irish internationals and they're they're in that Ireland squad for a reason and I don't think Connacht have like for like, or close like for like, um, replacements for them. I know, as you said, Glasgow will be missing their internationals as well, but I just think this could be one of the situations where we see um, Connacht um, being beaten at home. Jeff, what do you reckon this weekend for Connacht?
1: I think I'm going to redeem myself in the eyes of a lot of Connacht fans from my rant there last week, and I'm going to go with Connacht, Um, to be honest with you, and there's a method in my madness. It feels like You know, I should be going, I'm going to go with Glasgow because this constant backing of Connocks and then breaking my heart is tough. But I mean, that's all part and parcel of the game. I think the back row of, we're definitely going to, I'd say if fit, you know, we're going to see Butler. We're going to see Connor Oliver and we'll probably see, I'd say, Paul Boyle coming in to replace Prendergast. Like that's a hell of a back row. Their second row units have been going well all season as well. Yeah, the front row's an issue. I think Dennis Buckley's a big boost coming in. Marmion and Blade, whoever starts at nine, they're international quality nines. Let's be honest with, with ourselves here. Um, yeah, they're losing Bundy, Sammy Arnold, Tom Farrell in the centre. They're quality operators. I know they're missing Matt Hansen. You still have the likes of John Porch, Tiernan Haller in that back three. Um, Glasgow are coming off the back of a bad bait in there last weekend as well. And while the scoreline probably doesn't reflect it, they were second best all around the pitch for the majority of the game. So um, I think Connacht at home, um, I hope Connacht at home now after I say this, but um, I know I do, I think Connacht at home, I believe Connacht at home still have enough cohesion and enough in the engine to get over the line. That last 20 minutes, like I said earlier, is going to be, I think, the deciding factor. Tom, like you said, I think it has the potential to be at kind of one of those games where you look at it and you go, right, defence is optional, but um, I think I'm going, go, I'm going to go with Connacht anyway this, this week.
2: Okay, so we, we have a point of differentiation for the, for the prediction league anyway for next Literally, week. If, so if
1: you, you did not, not follow me last week, now we might have, but it's Grant. Grant. Grant.
0: That's my problem. Too positive. I'm too, too positive. positive. That's You're too positive. positive. <laughs> we need, negative. We need to be negative. Everybody here. keeps saying it to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, we, I will warn uh, listeners here we're moving on to monsters. So the possibility of the air horn coming in for the we or us is uh, highly likely. Uh, Munster have qualified for the knockouts of the Champions Cup and now face a two-legged tie against Exeter in the round of 16. They're fifth in the URC table, uh, nine points behind Edinburgh, but with a game in hand. And they're five points behind Leinster in the Irish Shield. Off-field news, uh, Munster will be without uh, Damien De Allende, Niles Scannell, Jason Jenkins, RG Snyman and the Internationals for the Zebra game this week. Uh, and John Ryan, who had been linked with a move to Saracens in the last few weeks, now looks set to sign for Wasps at the end of the season. Um, Munster played Wasps on Sunday in Tolman Park and won fairly, fairly convincingly 45-7. Um, Munster started the game very impressively, winning collisions and showed a real appetite to move the ball and handling to match the intent, which I think is probably the, uh, the big difference from the last few weeks. Uh, the game collisions. Oh, do we? Do we? I think we made collisions. a monster for that. Collisions, collisions. <laughs> I'll have to keep that out. Um, the game did dip significantly. I think in the second half, with a lot more individual errors until the very end when Monster scored two tries in the last five minutes. Jeff, what did you make of the game?
1: I uh, really enjoyed it, to be honest with you. Um, I felt Munster were very good on top from early on, and I know the score kind of reflects that too. Like, but if we look at their first try. Like, and I'm going to say the words. So get that air horn ready. It was a result of winning collision after collision. Like (laughs) they yeah, there we are. Yeah, but like it's it absolutely like they just kept they carried positively in every carry leading up to that first try. And at the end of it, wasps just had no answer for it. Um, they were on top from early on, controlled the game really well. Uh, I felt Healy came in and looked like he hasn't been missing. It looked like he didn't miss a day since he lined out from Munster, whatever it was, two years ago. He was class, I felt. Um, I think the the game time, you know, people talk about kind of um, I suppose our monsters tens getting enough game time for their age and stuff like that. I saw a fact there at the weekend, thought it wasn't worth throwing in that Ben Healy um had three caps, I think, last year or in the round, and he's now on twenty-three. So like there was 20 caps in the interim I think, since um since then. So I, I like you know, that that idea that Monsters caps or Monsters young players aren't getting caps, you look at John Hadnett. Like he's getting loads of game time now as well. You know, guys like this, Alex kendallin plenty of game time. Um, and if you look at it, Gavin Coombs' game time, actually when he first arrived in the seam again, it was very limited. And the following year, it absolutely shot up. It's all about development. And I think we'll see that with Ahern. Um, maybe a bit more this season, but certainly next season, we're going to see an awful lot more of him. But, um, sorry, I kind of went off the point there. I felt, you know, they scored six tries. Um, they're four for four in Europe. They played like... You know, it was, it was actually a good question was posed to me during the week since the Van Gron um, news came out. Have the shackles come off the monster attack and let loose a little bit more? I don't believe so. I think they just put an attack and framework in place for who they're about to play and they carry out that framework. And I think it worked very well against Wasps. Probably didn't go to complete fruition against Cast. Um, But like we saw in both games against Wasps, it was... Or Wasps, whatever you want to say it. they um Wasps. wasps. <laughs> <laughs> wasps um but uh against wasps like they were very good like and um i was the criticism deserved probably not i think it's just people didn't like the framework that was being implemented and felt that you know that that was the only way they could play um the back three carried for 205 meters like that's exceptional so um when you when you see that kind of fluidity um i felt munster were very very good
2: Excellent use of the word, of non-use of the word we and us there, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, you have a little face. Little face.
1: <laughs> Tom, you're up,
2: buddy. <laughs> and, uh, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm a real professional when it comes to this. We're talking about my beloved Munster. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look, the, the game, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I, like, I think one of the biggest things I took from looking at, at, at monster this week against Wasps, by the way, on the presser today, um, Finneen, Witcherly from Bantry, was uh, t- was asked about, and he said, wasps. And I was like, the fuck are you talking about wasps? Wasps, for the love of God, Fidin. Uh, But yeah, look, y- you look at, at at Munster's performance, and I think, like, over the last couple of weeks, uh, I think you look at what Munster have done in, in these games, and I think their actions on ball heavily reflect the kicking tendencies of the other team. Like, uh, you look at... um. Munster against Connacht, who too tend to kick a lot, a lot when they give up a power differential against Ospreys, against Cast who kicked a lot against Munster. Uh, Munster's game then, as a result, ends up being kind of limited. I think Finney Mitchell even said it today, that they had um, kind of more of a goal to break down. They certainly had more opportunities to do that against Wasps, and as a result, they got more opportunities to attack. I think Munster are an exceedingly difficult team to play against. Um, you look at Munster's defensive work, um, both phase play and uh, at, the, at the lineout. And I think that back five that they selected for that game, um, my beloved Munster, they, the, the back five that they selected um, was. Oh, I saw that. One. <laughs> the, 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 the back five that they selected very much was about stifling in, in, in defense, uh, but in the lineout in particular. You look at all of that back five. Omani, O'Donoghue, Coombs, Byrne, uh, Klain, they can all counter jump in the lineup as well. And if you look at that first half, a lot of WASP possession uh, possession off the lineup was just so difficult for them to play off. They looked like they were playing backwards, losing collisions. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> losing collisions. And uh, in, in a position where they were just playing going backwards and like, I thought that, that WAFs actually should have kicked a little bit more, and that's where they missed the likes of a Jimmy Gopper and a, a Jacob Umaga, even Ryan Mills, who pulled out before the game. Young Charlie Atkinson, I think, was a little bit naive, a small bit hung onto the ball a little bit too much, um, and that played into what Monster were looking to do. Once they got the ball in, inside that 10-meter space, they were able to start running through phases, and, and Ben Healy playing with such confidence and such uh, ease out there. Um so, yeah, look, really, really good. And I think you look at where they're at, I think, in general, a pretty good place, actually.
2: And in terms of the, the front row, like, I think that tends to be one area where it seems that Munster have to improve. And I think there's been a real sort of focus on how to what to get out of the front row and how it seems that we, it needs to be more towards the. Heavy carriers, the impact from that. I thought that the, I suppose, the performance of the likes of Archer, Lockman, Barron, Buckley, etc., was very impressive on Sunday.
0: I, oh, I thought Buckley was fantastic, fabulous uh, young player, such aggression in his carry. But I thought Stephen Archer had a fabulous game. I, like I was tracking, like breakdown work on on, on my site, um, and like Archer is always very very high up there. And his carrying defensive work—he's just a really good all-rounder. He's not Tyke Furlong like nobody's Ty Furlong except Tyg Furlong. Uh, and I suppose for Munster this season or next season, there's going to have to be and a, a kind of an injection of, of of power carriers in that front row. I think I think that's what everybody's looking for now. Um, and they're scarce enough. You know, when you look at the guys who fit that profile, I think like as you were saying, they're looking for an Irish qualified hooker. I think Munster will be as well. Uh, and you look at some of the other areas, they need to develop those guys like to, to round out their game. Um, But like, uh, again, I'd be interested to see what you thought of uh, like the likes of like Baron in this game, for example, I thought he played quite well. But when you're looking at like guys who are going to be that power forward profile, I mean, who do you reckon is there who can fill
2: that out? me is it? Yeah. Or yeah jeff do you want to respond
1: to that Ah, well I, well yeah i think you're dead right in what you're saying i felt stephen archer for a fellow who probably hasn't got much kudos in the past from an awful lot of people had probably the best game i've seen him play for monster in cheese oh, i don't know a long long time i felt the likes of baron and that carried like they hated the grass and um, they were just bitter i suppose in their carries which was um it's always nice to see but um no i i, I do think you're right i think the likes of keen and knox Salanoa. Um, I think we need to I think we do need to see them coming in a small bit more. Um, when fit, just get them in kind of bigger games. Like we saw what Josh Wishley did uh to Slomani there in Claremont there last season. Give like I'm and I'm not saying like just throw the youth among the pigeons and see how to like, you know, see how they get on. That's never been my style, but I do think these fellas are powerful enough and skillful enough to, you know, to mix it with the big boys at the at the big level. So now, I, I do hope to see the likes of them involved soon, to be honest.
2: You know, I, th- I thought Lockman played very well. I thought his carrying has really has gone not quite maybe to the Josh van der Fleer levels of improvement, but his carrying has certainly... He could. <laughs> is he good at carrying, is he? <laughs> He's improved a lot recently. Has
0: he? Yeah. I, I, know you know that. I must pay attention.
2: Yeah. You might yeah.
0: recognise him by that red scrum cap that he wears. <laughs> does he wear, if you, if, does he, wear he wear I think, he, I think he does. I think he does. Yeah.
2: Oh, poor Josh van der Fleer. He's never done anything to any of us. I uh, but no, I, I thought Lockman was good. I think, um, I, yeah, very impressed with Baron and Buckley. Um, I, but obviously, they're, they're going to need time to mature and develop themselves. I think I, I haven't verified the stat, but I saw someone put out a stat that I think it's Witcherly, Knox and Salanoa have started. I think it's one game between the three of them this season so far. I don't know whether that's, that's true or not. But to me, that's the big thing for Munster is that they need to get and get these guys, as you talked about, Jeff, into the starting 15. They've got to be in there or at least into the 23 for the for the big matches. So when when you're coming up to the Champions Cup, knockout games and things like that, it's got to be seeing more of these guys get in. And that's where we're going to see the true change because just buying players in and trying to um, change it that way is not going to happen within the Irish model. Um, Next up for Munster is Zebra away on Saturday. Munster will be without their Irish internationals, but Zebra haven't won a game all season and Michael Bradley was dismissed as their head coach at the start of January. I think I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that we're all going to say that Munster are going to win this game in terms of the predictions. So I'm going to focus maybe more the question on who we think the fringe players are for Munster that will see some game time and will be looking to impress this week. Um, Jeff, come to you first on that. Um, this might be maybe a bowl
1: call, but I'd love to see it. Um. Obviously, I'd love to see the likes of Kendall John Hodden at all just playing, get eighty minutes or close to um under the belt. But a fellow I'd love to see being brought in, um especially after his performance against Wasps, he was playing with Shannon there in the AIL last weekend, um an absolute brilliant athlete is uh, Daniel Okeke. I'd love to see him being just brought into the fold. And I don't know, like I know there's other names there like Thomas ahern and you know, don't get me wrong, I know all these fellas are here too, like but. Like he's, I felt he had such a good outing against Wasps. You're going over to a team who I don't believe won a game last season either. Like I can't remember their last win, or no, they beat Benetton, didn't they last season? Um, but I mean, they haven't exactly been great guns. So why not get these fellas in, like, and why not get like you mentioned there? You need to see fellas starting games. Like let them, do you know what I mean, like, and and I know I'm not the coach, and I know I don't see what happens during the eighty minutes, and I know I'm only going on highlights and match reports. Don't get me wrong. But, like, at the end of the day, like, you know, what's that old shanuckle uh, there, Askoilge, you know, give you the chance and it'll blossom, you know. So um, I think just get those fellas in. But I'd love to see Daniel Okeke get back in. And um, just, again, minutes under the belt, I think it'll do him the world of good. Um, and just be that extra boost after a while. It was a brilliant Wasp performance.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I'd like to see... You, I don't I don't think this is a game you can go in and you can start 15 young guys oh, no, no, and, no, no, and yeah, do that it it's it's got to be a mixed match and they will obviously have guys identified that they'll want to play for this particular game I'd I'd love to see you know um maybe Salanoa get a start here I think maybe if he, you know if he's uh, fit and available I think I would love to, one guy who I think who has been particularly I won't say hard done by more unlucky than anything else is Jake Flannery you know, he's, he's been on the bench twice um, in, against Connacht and, uh, i trying to think who else he was on, against uh, Castor, I think it was, in one of, the, one of the European games, and didn't actually get onto the pitch. He was due to go out to South Africa and would likely to have played there, I think, as well. And I think, you know, this is a guy who was playing and playing very well with, with the likes of Jack Crowley at A-level you know, only earlier this season. And I think he, I, I I like what I've seen of him at A-level and I want to see, you know, whether as he gets more game time, whether how he fits in and how he steps up at the URC level, I think he can he can do a really good job for Munster. I'd like to see more of him and maybe even the likes of Patrick Campbell, you know, maybe come off the bench or something like that. He's he's proved himself already. And I think, you know, the more game time he can see, the better for it. Tom, who who would you like to see playing this week?
0: Uh, I'd like to see Tom O'Hearn get a start in this one. Uh, I think Finneen Witterly will be will be starting. Maybe J.K. and the bench would make sense. Um, but I, 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 again, I'd like to see Daniel Okeke there as well. I, I think I'd like to see him on the bench certainly. Uh, I think there's some guys. Jack O'Sullivan is a fella who has been unlucky with you know the minutes this season. Uh, Jake Flannery did really well for Shannon last week. Actually, he's another fella I'd like to see starting. Um, but they've got a lot of good young options there. Like you look at some of the younger players who are kind of breaking through there and you can see yeah, like there's, there needs to be a little bit more in the front row for sure. But like you look at some of that back five talent that's there, I think Alex in this year the minutes he's got, I think that's surprised a lot of people. Um, but I'd, I'd, I think you're going to see a lot of that kind of youthful back five get a run here, I would say. Um, you'll see Jack O'Donoghue, I'd say as well, because he's a kind of a captain style guy like, and I think he's playing well too. But you know, I'd like to see those guys getting a run, and uh, maybe even some of those guys in the back in the back three. like uh, you know, you look at some of the guys, I think Connor Phillips is away with the, with the, with the Irish Sevens, um, but I'd like to see some of those guys getting a run. Maybe even seeing Jake Flannery at fullback getting some run there because I think he could be a real talent there. It's just one of those games where you, you expect Monster to win and they should win. Uh, but it's just about making sure you get the right blend of, of uh, youth and experience. <laughs> throwing out a few cliches there a bit of youth experience out there you know uh yeah but no if, if they can get out there like i think getting the win is is obviously they have to get that but i think if you can get some good minutes into those young fellas just would be the game i think they would have put on the board at the start of the season and gone there's a real opportunity to get good minutes into young players because one thing about monster they certainly do schedule time for players to play in certain games
2: um and this should be one of them just in before the buzzer. Um, we get them there. Last up then is Leinster, who uh, faced Connacht in the All-Ireland round of 16 in the Champions Cup. Uh, the second leg of that will be, I believe, it's not been confirmed yet, but I believe they're looking at the Aviva as the potential for, for that one. Uh, Leinster second in the URC table. Uh, they're four points behind Edinburgh with a game in hand, and they lead the Irish Shield. Off-field news, uh, Josh van der Fleer and Jordan Larmer picked up knocks during the game at the weekend, but are expected to be OK for the Six Nations. Um, Leinster beat Bath 64-7 to confirm their place in the knockout stages of the Champions Cup. Uh, Bath made a match of it, I think, for the first quarter, where it was only 5-0 to Leinster. But injuries, poor defensive, um. Lineups, uh, systems, I think, and inaccuracy in attack meant Leinster scored, I think it was a point a minute from about the the 20th or 21st minute on. They they really set about them. Leinster were just too powerful and uh, refused to let up on the quality and execution. And Bath had no response. Um, I thought Hugo Keenan was excellent at fullback. And I, I thought his playmaking really shone through. And, you know, a lot of the, the calls that would have been there for Michael Lowry, you know, um, to start, because of his playmaking ability, I think uh, Hugo Keenan has really stepped up and and put a a, a a stop on that. Jeff, what did you make of the game?
1: Um, again, kind of maybe a delayed training running compared to Montpellier, but I mean Bath weren't at the races. They look like a team that haven't really been coached on either side of the ball. Um, just like they're very good players on paper, but I don't know what's going on. But just didn't really offer. Um, much to Leinster at all, they had four early visits into the 22 and came away with nothing, Leinster nearly scored in the first, scored in the second Um, You know, it took them 16 minutes to score and then they scored five in the first half I think they scored three tries in four minutes in the second half and when you factor in the time taken for conversions, I mean that's scandalous and there was one carry for um, Andrew Porter's try it was off a line out, they went the bat gave him the tail or gave him the middle in the round uh leinster thought that bat would fold around so they went blind off it bat didn't uh they ended up with a, an attacking ruck maybe in around the five meter nine maybe it was four meters off i don't know but it took three carries for andrew porter to get over um and each three each, each of the three carries was a positive one um bats internal d on their goal line was very very poor So, I mean, that kind of summed it up for me, if I'm being honest with you. But um, again, you can only play what's in front of you. And I thoroughly, for the second week in a row, I thoroughly enjoyed, I suppose, Leinster's ruthlessness and their bastardry to just say, well, this is what you put in front of us and we're going to just hockey you for it. And the reason I enjoyed it so much is probably because when the opportunities were given to Leinster, they capitalized on them. And in knockout rugby, you have to be capitalising on every opportunity that's given to you. And you can't, just, you can't just mess it up and hope another one comes about, especially in tight games against the likes of Saracens or your La Rochelles or your Toulouse's. If a, if a chance arises, bang, has to be a score. Um, or like be a three, be a five, be a seven. But you can't walk away saying, oh, we'll get another one in a minute, it's grand, because that's not how it works. So the fact that you know Leinster... Literally just opened up bats defence, um, time after time after time. If it was on, they took it. Like even Sexton's crossfield kick for a penalty, like he could have calmed that game down. Said, Do you know, we'll go to the corner, we'll maul him over, we'll take the scrum, whatever. He just looked up, saw that every bat defender was inside their own post, banged it across. Simple, it's your own fault for for not covering the field properly. And I, I really did. Maybe it's the bitter bastard in me. I don't know. Like, but I really did enjoy that sense of rootlessness and the fact that Leinster just you know put them to the sword winning's a habit we say it all the time um Leinster went out won well um essentially just said to teams like if you're gonna if you're gonna send nothing out against us we're gonna punish you for it and if your team is gonna make a mistake be it in D or attack we're gonna capitalize on it regardless of scoreline regardless time in the game or who's on ball so overall I felt it was a very good performance from Leinster um again delighted they were so ruthless um that famous fella, I think it's Joey O'Brien, is that his name? Um, No, Jimmy O'Brien, four tries, you know, out of 10, he had a great game. Um, Yeah, 13 out of 15 lineouts, six out of six scrums, good set piece. Really enjoyed it now, to be honest with you. And just to say as well, I mentioned the Munsters, um, Munsters back three, carrying for 205 metres. Hugo Keenan carried for 129 on his own. Larmor 82. Robbie Henshaw in the centre, carried for 83. When was the last time you've seen a 12 carry for 83 metres? Like, so um, I really enjoyed it, you know. Um, so yeah, good win. Uh, a lot of players got a good run out. Uh, I think it's not really, it wasn't really a test for them. I don't think far too much class, but um, no, it was it was a it was a good Leinster performance.
2: Yeah, I I think that's that's very apt in terms of what you were talking about. There is Leinster really don't take their foot off the throat. They really hammer it home, and they they do that for the full eighty minutes. And like I think. While Bath were there, and I think individually they were there was effort there from the individuals. As you said, collectively it was close to a shambles. I'm not sure it was that much better than Montpellier the week before, to be honest. And I mean, coming back to that, Tom, I mean, like if you look at the Leinster's upcoming fixtures, like they have they're gonna play Ulster During the Six Nations, they're gonna play Connacht three times in four weeks, they've got Munster. And then they've got a mini tour to South Africa before any potential quarterfinal in the Champions Cup. Now, they've blown away Montpellier and Bath since they returned from COVID. And they'll have to manage the game time of the Ireland players with, you know, how how they want to, I suppose, manage their own game time within Leinster. But are they going to actually be challenged in terms of, I suppose... Playing against a power team or a decent team that can match them physically and with the sort of the power pack, where Leinster's strength tends to overrun teams,
0: uh, it'll be difficult to get that challenge. But I, I'll say this: like you look at the URC, I think Leinster have had relatively more difficult games this year in the URC than they've had in the last two weeks <laughs> against Montpellier and Bath. Like Bath were rubbish. Like you look at Leinster, were put them away as you'd expect. But those two games the last two weeks, like we always hear now about how you know, Leinster aren't getting prepared in the Pro 14 as it was for the big knockout game games in Europe. These two games against Montpellier and and uh, Bath were hardly any preparation at all. You know, I think, you know, you look at the, the, the teams they have coming up. I think those two games in South Africa might be a big challenge for them. Um, but with Leinster, the big thing now is like they're going to be missing, a, a, obviously, a lot of their top players. They still have a lot of very good players as well. But I, I think that the level, relatively speaking, of the teams that they'll be playing will be closer. But a lot of the guys who will come in and, and who will be playing in the upcoming weeks um, won't be playing unless there's a, a raft of injuries for, for Leinster. So I think a lot of those guys who are away with Ireland will be getting a big challenge uh, up at the Six Nations. Because again, I'd expect the bulk of the pack for, uh, for Ireland to be Leinster players. Uh, Henshaw, Rose, more likely be the midfield. Sexton, obviously. Uh, you know, keeping him fit and available will, will be a challenge. Um, for them because again if Sexton isn't one of my big takeaways from the Bath game actually is just how unendingly elite Jonathan Sexton is not dropped off a bit you'd expect from a 36 year old not at all like he's outstanding he was so good in this game um, and like that's the big challenge if he's injured for any upcoming game be it against Connacht or whatever else that, that series is the potential to be tasty um, if, if Sexton is out Leinster are easier to beat. They are, they are an easier team to beat as long as you can answer that physical challenge. And that'll be the question. Can you answer them physically? I think in South Africa, they might have a challenge there. And Connacht? Don't know, maybe. But again, I think once it comes to the big teams in Europe, uh, your La Rochelle's, your Toulouse's, your Racing even, um, there's going to be a challenge for them there. And whether or not they have the power, I think isn't anything to do with their opportunity. Position in the Pro 14 or URC um, as it is now. It's to do with do they have the power internally there to match these guys? And I think they're close, but I think have they moved on significantly from last season um, with, with regards to power? I'm not sure. And again, even one or two injuries to key guys makes it more and more difficult for them at the elite end. I'm talking about here because, again, that's only where they'll be challenged.
2: So next up for Leinster is Cardiff away on Saturday evening. Uh, Cardiff are eleventh in the URC. They've three wins and three losses from their six games. However, they haven't won a game since October in any competition. Um, And I suppose, well, and maybe the only small bit of hope is Leinster have struggled with a when they've sort of mixed their team coming off the back of autumn internationals. Um, and Leinster will be out without their internationals again this week for the game. Um, so coming to you, Tom, who do you think, or what do you think of the game? Do you think this is a foregone conclusion?
0: I I like Cardiff Blues. The Cardiff Blues, I love them. I look at um, the quality they have in there. Like, they have actually a really good squad. They'll have a really good squad, an even better squad next year. Um, I look at, like this game coming up and I has the feeling of something of a banana peel for Leinster, I feel. Like you look at the guys who they got coming in are all quality players, but they've not really featured for a very a good long while. So they'll be coming in somewhat cold. I know they'll be training with Leinster all the way along, which is good, you know, but again it's it's different. And I, and I like Cardiff. I like their their attacking structure. I think I think it works. It's very it's simple, but they run a very like good attacking Platform off that simplicity, I feel where they run a kind of a one-three-three-one. They run through that shape and they've got good options. Generally speaking, um, I think it could be relatively tight. Um, I, I think if Cardiff get up to a good start, um, they should be able to like score tries against this Leinster side. But again, you can't look beyond Leinster's quality either. Although I will say they are missing one or two guys who would you know typically give them that bit of a power boost that they've always used in in these type of games traditionally. So I have a feeling that this could be a little bit tighter than what it might seem like on the on the surface, but I'm going to go with a narrow Leinster win.
2: Jeff, what do you make? I'm
1: going to go for a Leinster win, to be honest. And I know that uh, we talked about the guys who will probably play this game haven't been um, maybe totally prepared, but like Tom said there, they've been training with Leinster as well. The only difference between them and the top guys, bar, like outside ability, I'm just talking, preparation here has been Bath and Montpellier and let's be honest I'd I'd say the training matches in Leinster are more vicious than those Um, or you know you get more out of them than you would those so you look at the guys who have left like yeah you're losing the whole front row sub hooker sub prop but you're getting you still have the likes of Michael Alatoa, James Tracy, Ed Byrne who was not keen Healy I'd like to point out you still have a good second row you have a serious back row coming in, like and I, like we mentioned, Scott Penny there. I don't know how many times in this podcast, like he was playing UCD there last week. He's fine if he starts this week, right? He's playing with UCD there last weekend. He comes into this Leinster team for you know I think it's a second or third game this season. You think he's not going to leave everything out in that field to say that when the likes of Vander Flair comes back or whatever, Doris or Conan, whatever, that like he doesn't want to be top dog too. Like these, I think these opportunities are more. Um, or they're less rare, excuse me, for Cardiff than they are for these Leinster fellas. And I think that once the team is named, we're going to see a very good team on paper, but you're also going to see 23 individuals who are literally fighting for game time. So that, I think, is going to add to it. I think there's going to be a good bit of spice, a lot of points to prove. Um, I'm terribly looking forward to it, to be honest with you. I think it could be one of the games of the weekend and uh, I am going for a Leinster win. because I just think that the guys coming in are still quality. They're training them with quality week in, week out. Um, they're in their own rights. Very, very good players and just have a hell of a lot to prove.
2: Yeah, I'm going to stick with a, a Leinster win as well. I, I can't really see past it. I think the COVID break um, and the return from that has allowed them to train more as a, a sort of a, a bigger group. And I think that they'll they should have enough quality coming off the back of that then to, to be Cardiff. So that's it then looking at the four provinces. So we'll get on to some of the, the questions that we've been sent in. So the first one then is what specific area or position should each of the provinces be prioritizing recruitment-wise for the next season, for next season? I'll, I think we'll start it off, we'll go province by province. So we'll start it off with Connacht and I'll go first on this. I think Connacht need to find an experienced heavy second row to go in there or a backup 10 i don't think they should necessarily be um wasting recruitment on a backup 10 in particularly if they're going non-irish qualified but i think they need to do something to replace the likes of delan who's leaving quinru who's gone i think they've got a a very good pack coming through but they're still very young and they need some experience going in. I'm not sure Fafita is working out the way that they saw it, and they need to get someone in there that can help them. Finley beat him is a cornerstone in the scrum, but when he is not there, they need someone else who can really add power and punch to that tight five, and that's where I think they should be going. Tom, for Connacht, what do you reckon?
0: I would say largely the same. Uh, I think Jason Jenkins actually um, would have been a good signing for, for Connacht. Uh, I think that's the si- type of size and power they need, but that it would, have been, si- would have been morally wrong, though, Tom. It would have been morally wrong, and and I think it would have been a disgrace. But it's good business for for Leinster, though. But you you look at like the um you look at at, at what they need, and I think they need to have a that that power that impact. I think they wanted Fafita to be that guy. Um, but again, it's expensive. Power is expensive, and like again, if you look at Connacht, like their their budget is lower. Like like it it just is. Um, and if they're going to be spending that money. Like it it will have to come from somewhere and it may be at the expense of other areas in their in their depth charts. So again, I think that like they've brought on some good academy guys. Um, they've signed them to senior contracts, I think, ahead of next season as well. Um, so like again, if they can get that contract space to get a guy who can be a big power carrier for them in that second row, who can add that size and 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 even just wait, even get a guy who can do it doesn't it doesn't have to be an 80-minute player. I think that that could be a big bonus for them just to add that power that they need at the set piece. Um, but just to, during phase play as well, to give them that option. They've tried to get that with Papeli and with, uh, like I said, with with, with Fafita as well. Um, but I, I think they, they're maybe better off cashing out their chips than those guys. And I think they have with, with, with Papeli certainly. Uh, and maybe go and look to see if there's any guy out there who can fit that profile for them but those guys are very expensive and everybody else wants them as well so it's a tough bit it's a tough market. Jeff what do you
2: reckon for Connacht? Um I'd go with the PowerPoint.
0: I've not really tied on that but the only thing I change
1: is maybe position. Um when Buckley and Beelen are fit um it's a very good front row for Connacht but I think the drop off after them is a bit probably too severe to be competing in the higher levels of Europe all the time so while I fully agree, and I have nothing really to add uh, or change, but I just think maybe a prop instead of a second row because I think they've been, they've
2: enough um, back five forwards coming through, and uh, yeah, that's me. For Leinster, then um, I think we we've all seen the stories around Jason Jenkins, and I think second row is probably one of the weaker areas in their their overall squad relatively. But I actually think if I was recruiting for next season. I would actually be looking at a 10 and I think that they need to look at a long-term replacement for Johnny Sexton. I think that the drop-off from Sexton to Ross Byrne, who is a good player, but he is not Irish international standard and that's, that's the way it's looking at the moment. With that, Harry Byrne is still a long, long way off getting there and I think that is where if Sexton goes down injured... They can cope with it for the majority of games. But when it comes to the top to the to the elite level, the knockouts, the final stages of these things, I'm not sure that without Sexton and even as a longer term, someone that they can get in there, I think they need to look at that longer term. Jeff, what do you reckon for Leinster? An uh, I'm gonna go loosehead. Um,
1: because I think that, you know, he Healy, hell of a player. Don't get me wrong. He's still up with Ireland, he has been for years and stuff like that. But I think if you know, if Healy does retire in the near future or whatever it may be, I don't know what his plans are and I'm not putting words in his mouth, but you're going from Porter down to Ed Byrne and I think there is a gap there that could be filled. And, you know, when you think about Leinster's depth chart, a bit like Sexton, you know, at the, at the 10 roll, you have a fella who's that many miles in the clock and is that age and he's still counted as probably, if not top, but definitely second choice in his position. Then I think you're going to need to fill that. You're losing an awful lot um, when that leaves.
0: Tom, uh, I think you 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 kind of put something into my head there, Owen. Like I think if Leinster are in hardcore win now mode, then it needs to be I think a power second row. Um, if they are in the well, we can we 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 can't get the power second row and we, we have to choose somewhere else. I think it would be ten. I think if they want to get the best from Harry Byrne. In the long term, I think not putting too much pressure on him to be the Johnny Sexton guy after Johnny Sexton retires, which will probably make, would be the World Cup. I mean, he could still be playing when he's fifty. Who knows? But like, I think you look at the 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 not hype, but like the expectation around Harry Byrne that he's just going to be that guy, and that's just you know like again, I I haven't seen that much from Leinster even to say that they're expecting that of him right now either. Like I think that like if they managed to get in a, a 10 who could dovetail with Sexton for the next two seasons, um, or even for the next season and a bit re- even, that would be of massive benefit. Because again, we, we'll see what they're contracting with, with, with Ross Byrne this year is. But I think if they want to get the best from Harry Byrne in the long term, I know everybody says, oh, play the young players. I think actually being in a position where he's not under that pressure to step into the gigantic shoes of Johnny Sexton. Like, I mean, geez, God above. Like, man, like I, I would rate... Replacing Jonathan Sexton, almost as more difficult for Leinster than what Munster replacing Ronan O'Gara was, and and like because they're at the same level of just unbelievable totems of of, of both uh, provinces, it'll be very very difficult. And I think if you have a guy there, an experienced player who can come in and cover that spot for two years, three years, it gives Harry Byrne a little bit of a space to kind of just find who he is as a player. And just build without massive pressure on him To become that guy To run a ship as big as Leinster Like I think that kind of expectation It can make a young player But it can break them as well And I think that that would be If they want to get the best out of Harry Byrne I think actually kind of bridging him With an experienced guy who isn't Johnny Sexton That could be something to work over the next two or three seasons Uh,
2: Moving on then to Munster Um, I think look there's, there's some obvious things there at the moment I think you know if De Allende is to leave, he obviously needs to be replaced. You're looking at world class quality there. But I think for Munster, I think it's the front row. I think there's there's a lot of good young talent coming through in that in that Munster squad, but I think they do need some help in there. And Munster need to, to see a lot more impact, particularly on the ball. And I would be looking at a power carrying hooker. I think would be my my choice for Munster. Uh, Jeff, what what would you say? No, fully agree.
1: I've absolutely not, Dad. So over to you, Tom.
0: I would go with a, a power front row, uh, maybe one, maybe two players um, to come in to, again, bridge the young players who were there. I think, again, like I don't buy this idea of players being blocked. I, I think that world-class players or guys who are going to be world-class can never be blocked. I just don't think that exists. I think you get in a, a guy who can come in to help to bridge those players from where they are, which might be different elements of of rawness to a certain extent. I think Scott Buckley can be a serious player. I think if you want to get the best out of Scott Buckley, you pair a power hooker with him for the next two seasons who can help to develop him up. And that teach him how to be a a hooker because again like you might get a guy who might be only a few years older than him but you're allowing him the space to become that guy by having his uh, his minutes managed coming off the bench in certain games replacing this guy training alongside him every day Uh, and again i think that for munster to do well i think you look at getting in a power front row one or two players maybe hooker maybe somewhere else you look at that and go okay that will help develop other players too because of the Profile that they, these guys can put on the game, win collisions, win. You know, God, I said it again. Uh, and, and to, and to, but basically, to have that as a as a way to help the other younger players to be playing on the front foot, and I, I think that that in itself could be something that they, I think, they do actually need to do. Um, there's no real other areas I think that are massive priorities except for that.
2: And then finally, for Ulster, I will go ahead um, very quickly on this. I think. For Ulster, the two things that I think they need is, I think they need um big ball carriers potentially in their tight five. And I also think that they need to find a an elite level 10 if they want to kick on and, be, and really chase for Silverway. I think they could probably get more bang for their buck out of an elite level 10 quickly. I think it would also help with the development of Doak, um at nine and take sort of more of the, or say take the game management off um Cooney, who, who who does seem to to um be relied upon an awful lot for that. Uh, Tom, what do you reckon for Ulster?
0: I agree. Ten. That'd be my main area of recruitment, really. I think they're they they've got really good options elsewhere. Um, I think ten for me would be where I'd go. And Jeff?
1: Yep, ten. And it's like Billy Byrne's a fine player, and I love him as a footballer, but in terms of the elite Europe, you need a fella at ten or you need a player at ten who is just going to absolutely quarterback the game and you want to QB1 in those situations. So uh, I'm going to go with
2: 10-2. Perfect. Next question then is, how far do you think each of the provinces will go in the knockout stages of the Champions Cup? So it's Ulster to lose uh, against Munster and Exeter in sort of moving up to the quarterfinal and then you've Connacht-Leinster versus leicester Um, I'll go first on that. I think over two legs, Toulouse will be too powerful for Ulster, unfortunately. I think if it was a one-off knockout game, I'd give Ulster more of a chance. But I think over two legs, Toulouse's uh, quality will see out. I think Munster have a decent chance and will go ahead to make it a quarter-final against Toulouse. Um, On the flip side of that, I think Leinster, again, will be too good for Connacht Um, over two legs. And I think Leicester will see out Claremont, but I don't see anything other than a Toulouse against Leinster um, semi-final. Jeff?
1: Um, I do think Toulouse over two legs, yeah, against Ulster. I really like Ulster. Um, And they do have the ability to close out games, but like Toulouse just need an inch, literally an inch, and they're gone. Um, Munster-Exeter, I think, is not as straightforward. Because I think if Munster go to play Exeter with a power game against Exeter, a team who just like to kick the shit out of fellas for 80 minutes, I don't know how far they'll get. Um, but look, I'm just gonna go um with Munster, to be honest with you, because like your beloved are, Munster. They, they are my team, let's face it. Uh Leinster, Linster, I think um Connacht just have too many problems in the last 20 minutes um for me to see out Leinster who are just absolutely ruthless. And even if they stand toe-to-toe for an hour, um, I think Leinster will just continue putting that foot on the throat. I think Leicester have kind of... I know they've lost one game this season to Wasps, or Wasps, but they've pretty much forgotten how to lose. Winning's a habit. They're in that habit. So I see them overcoming uh, Claremont. I see Toulouse beating whoever plays against Munster Exeter. I see Leinster... Um, Do you know what? I'm actually going to go with Leicester beating whoever wins against Connacht versus Leinster, just because again they just grind out games, set piece monsters, just love it. So I'd probably go with a 2 lose Leicester final, which means it'll be anything but.
2: Tom, what do you reckon then?
0: Uh, I think all of the Irish provinces are going to run into power teams coming up once it comes up to the last the last four that all. Whoever it is gets through will find very difficult to handle. I look at Leinster as the guys being in the best spot at the moment to, to possibly get to a final and win it. Uh, but again, I think one or two injuries there in their pack in particular and trouble injuries to Johnny Sexton trouble. Um, and again, you missing your best players means you're less likely to win games. Isn't exactly revolutionary, but you look at where Leicester or where Leinster rather have run into trouble against La Rochelle it's power. And again, you can talk about prep in the URC, but if you don't have the power, it's it's difficult to get in. I think if Munster can get Jason Jenkins fit, which again is a it's a massive question mark. I think he can add elements of that. And again, you know, if you look at Munster with an RG's name in there, it's a different story again. But look, he's not going to feature the season, or I'd be very surprised anyway. I think Munster will more than likely beat Exeter, um, my beloved Munster. I think, um, I look at um. Leinster will beat Connacht. I think that that has the potential to not even be all that close. Um, I think Ulster and Toulouse will be a very difficult one for Ulster. Like they're just desperately unlucky to catch that draw. Like there's a bit like Munster last season, who 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 came through quite well and and drew Toulouse as well in in the last sixteen. Um, I think Toulouse will go through there. Munster Toulouse. It depends on what Munster have learned from last season, and again, it depends on the size and that of the guy. And like, if, if they have Jason Jenkins back, I think he can add a little bit of a power differential there again. And if that's there, maybe. But again, I'd be surprised. I think I'd, I'd look at Toulouse there as being favourites. Again, I think it comes down to how they manage that size differential, that power differential. Because at the elite levels of Europe, like that's where it comes in for me. Anyway, is the main it main differential. Look at what Will Skelton did with La Rochelle last year to, to Leinster. He was a colossal player for them and you know, Aldrich and uh, Umi Atonio and all these other guys and I think La Rochelle have just bought in more size to help hashtag KBA so you look at the the guy the, like that power question will be one that I think all the Irish provinces once it gets to the real business end will find it very very difficult to answer Just
1: to jump in there sorry Owen just to cut across you there's two things actually I just want to say quickly the first is and I wanted to say it earlier and I didn't but when Connacht were given the option to move their game to a bigger stadium or something like that I couldn't be happier that they decided to have it in the sports ground. I I absolutely love that. And it's turning around to their fans and saying it's the first knockout in Europe and we're playing it at home. Absolute sheer class. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, wouldn't it be so good to see all four provinces get, well, I know they can't because it's Connacht-Leinster, but like, you know, getting to like even three out of the four provinces getting to like serious knockouts yeah. yeah and just having that like conspiracy twitter just light up and having having you know well, the welsh people just saying this is stupid competition the english wanting to revamp it again the french saying and bleu, whatever Oh, wouldn't it be so good to see that happening again but anyway that's just that's just uh something that's the bitterness
2: burning in you there <laughs> i
1: had a long day i'm just like yeah do you know what <laughs> i don't i don't care
2: Okay, one last question. We'll, we'll go through this. Uh, last week we discussed the Champions Cup format. Uh, so this week I thought we'd look at the Six Nations. What changes would you like to see to the Six Nations?
1: I'm going to jump in there straight away, and yeah. I'm just going to say none. Um, to be honest, uh, people talk about South Africa coming in. South Africa have isn't it TV rights with the Rugby Championship for the next is it nine more years or something? Something outrageous, or
2: yeah, I think, but I think they were under contract for Super Rugby as well. I, I think these these things can change if they need to. Yeah, but I I don't
1: think that was signed all that long ago, though, if memory serves, um, I think it could have been sometime in the last year. But anyway, um, the idea of Italy Georgia promotion relegation, to be honest, Italy have one seven to the stake. Um, I don't see the board turn around and saying, Do you know what, we're willing to forego the situation, the gate fees, the money that you know comes from it, the whole lot. Um, having our players play in a second tier, six nations, um like I just I don't see it happening and on the other side of the coin, if there's promotion and relegation every year, let's be honest, if Georgia do come up or Spain or Germany, whatever, and Italy go down, what are they going to learn in a year? Like what are they going to learn in a year? And Kieran Crowley made the point there earlier today like yeah you go how down. to put, how to, how to put 90 points on Belgium is more likely yeah. what they learn <laughs> do, 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 do <laughs> you know what I mean? And he was like, you learn how to win, you come back up. But like you learn how to win against lesser teams and it'll turn into a situation almost like we were giving out there about, um, about Montpellier and Bath there against Leinster. Like You're just going to see that in an international stage, I think. Um, you're just going to see too much class come through. And I just don't see if Georgia come up, well, there's a number of questions there. Georgia's, made, whoever comes up, like, are they going to be able to handle five weeks of that kind of competition? Are they going to have the squad debt to deal with the injuries that are going to happen? Let's be honest here. What are they going to learn by getting fucking pumped like five times in a row? Like, to me, I don't see anything. I don't see any real benefit of
2: a year in, year out, up and down. Well, I, I think one of the big things around that, and people talk about Italy and Georgia promotion, relegation, all this sort of stuff, is the international game is still the money spinner that drives oh, yeah. the club game. If Italy drop down, and you take away their funding that goes with that that hits the urc that hits their clubs and that hits the quality of that there and i think that's something that the that the the URC and that the Six Nations Committee have to look at because they're looking not just at the money that's coming in, they're looking at the growth of the game and the stability of it all. And if you have a team that is coming up and down and you're affecting what is effectively a pro league and you can't get Georgia set up, you're not going to get them set up as a pro team within the URC that quickly and you can't have teams coming in and out of it like that. That's going to be the biggest thing. That's why I just don't see a change coming on that. South Africa could be a big I think could be something that would, could happen over time. I think they bring the TV audience the time it. like you look at the time zones for for um the what was the old tri nations and stuff like that, it does not suit. South African TV, which was the big money spinner within the the Tri-Nations TV deal, the Sanzar deal. And I think that there is some logic in it, whether it will ever happen. There is logic in it moving towards the Six Nations. They're aligned with the URC clubs. If you got it, you'd have it in the right time zone. There's things there for sponsors, TV deals, et cetera. There's a logic to it. Will it happen? I don't know. But Tom, what's your view on it?
0: Can you imagine an England versus uh, South Africa hashtag? on Twitter in a Six Nations game or Seven Nations game. My God. Blood runs cold thinking of that. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think there should be massive, any change really to the to the Six Nations. I think it's pretty much perfect as is. Like you were talking there about like, like so Georgia coming in. The, the levels at the top of this game are like, people don't seem to get like that as bad as Italy have done over the last number of years. Georgia would probably do worse i know they could they can only lose the same number of games but if you're talking about like georgia coming in and playing against all of the other major teams for like in serious games like serious six nations games i are not talking about you know that middle november friendly where you're bringing in you know a lot of the other lads who you want to get minutes into serious games um i think that's again georgia just getting humiliated over and over and over again 50 60 points and it would just continue like, there's nothing to say that it would get any better. Like, because <laughs> you look at Italy, like I think they've got a lot of good young players coming through, but it's so difficult at the top end of, of the, at, at, in the, on the six nations, it's so difficult because the level is so high. Because um, like, again, we look at Ireland coming from, you know, wooden spoon collectors in the in the 90s. For Ireland to go from where we were to where we were by the end of the 20, you know, the, like the, the, the early, you know, the 2000s was a remarkable rise, relatively speaking, like for Italy to do the same now is so much harder now than what it was for Ireland back then. Um, and I think that's the kind of the, the main challenge is that it's such an elite tournament and the levels are so high. Like I think that Ireland in the upcoming Six Nations will have way more difficult games, even than the All Blacks against uh, England and France, I think will be more difficult than the All Blacks game in November. I feel will be more challenging. And I think that's uh, because, again, the Six Nations is like that's the ultimate for me. Like World Cups are fine, grand, but the Six Nations for me, I think, is the best tournament in the game. And it's because of those elite standards. And I think it's only after getting better and better every year. And it's now, I think, one where you see the the highest level rugby, I feel. So whoever comes in at the there's always going to be cannon fodder at the bottom, you know, and whether that's Italy or Georgia, I'd be happy enough sticking with Italy, to be honest, you know, because I think Georgia coming in doesn't make anything any better it just makes things worse for georgia and we have a few hundred point beatings in the b six nations
1: i also think just (laughs) last point i know that i know the air horn's going but if people can tell me when the last time or if people even can tell us when the last time to memory italy lost to georgia just
2: you know like the argument isn't there for me to be honest Perfect. We'll round it up there, folks. Thank you very much for listening to our ramblings and for supporting the podcast. Please do rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen as it really helps. Also, be sure to share the podcast on social media and give us feedback on what you'd like to hear more of or even less of. Hope you have a good week. Your provincial team wins and the three of us will be back next week to chat again. Thank you for joining. No, no, Tom, no.